Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. There's no performance from the Summer Isle Island Band this year because it's been a weird year. With all this coronavirus and everything coming around, it's kind of creepy on the island. They were wandering around, muttering to themselves about the curse of the copper or whatever. And a lot of the villagers, including uh, the second-in-command, uh, what was the call you said you found out they moved to a little inlet next to a power plant? Uh yeah, I mean, that that's the rumor. I'm not sure of that, but I, it's the rumor. Yeah, and sadly, Lord Summerall himself passed away this year, so this might be the last year we're going to Summerall Island, but I don't want to go to that village because that second-in-command was a testy and honorary son of a bitch. Oh, to say the least. So where are we traveling today? Not to summer we're, still, we're just staying in the studio because we're uh, social distancing ourselves. Oh, okay. That's right. Get away from me, Stephen. Get away. Six feet. <laughs> you know the deal. But yeah, this year we're doing weird religious movies because in tribute to the sequel for was The Wicker Tree, I love that. That's the only part that me and Clark can agree that is great in that movie, and that is the head of the village's speech. That is perfect. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Something to the point of, if they're Christian, I'm Christian. If they're Gallic, I'm Gallic. If they're pagan, I'm pagan. I will use religion to whatever means it takes to get what my ends want. Yep. It's it's a great speech, and and I do like the movie more than than, than Stephen. Uh, uh, it's still a failed film, I think, but yet I find it interesting. I do oh, like it a lot. Oh, it's interesting, but it, like I said, it's missing Anthony Schaffer. Yeah, and it's miss it's really missing Christopher Lee too, even though he has a small well, he's role in it. it. Yeah, but he was supposed to have a much larger role. He was supposed to be the Angus character. Well, you remember it took them a decade to get that movie made or more? Yeah, it took them quite a while. I think the writing of the laddie in Cowboys from Christ, the novel, which you can get, it came out in about 92, 93. Something like that. That's actually next on my read list is Cowboys for Christ. I've never read it. Yeah. I still don't know why he changed the title of the book. Well, you know, maybe maybe you read the book, you understand. I don't know yet. I don't know. Well, the we know yet. we do understand because we're expecting you to have seen it. The writing of the laddie is about the ritual, but in a way, it might give away a little bit too much. Ah, uh, that's true. But still, Cowboys for Christ is one of the stupidest titles I've ever heard. Well, that's what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be be uh, from Texas. You know, uh, their church brings them to Scotland to to uh, proselytize, and they get caught up in that whole shit. Yeah. Yeah, but if I was going to make a movie about cowboys from Christ, it was going to be like cowboys with crosses on their veins going around killing people in the name of killing bad people in the name of God. Oh, you're talking about Jonah Hex. <laughs> 
Well, no, just going over and forth like El Topo, only more insane. You know, like, okay. in the name of God, I free you from this earth. Boom! <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you mentioned El Topo. Isn't that one of your, your choices? Yeah, that is one of the first choices. But like the trailer says, El Topo isn't about any specific religion. It's about a religious journey, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it borrows from numerous... Yeah. Well, the title comes from this little... Uh, Porn that said it the first is that the mole digs its tries to dig its way out of Earth, and when it reaches the sunlight, it blinds itself. Right, exactly. And the whole movie and is about what... the lead character and mm-hmm. his journey into discovering that the world is a piece of shit. Yep, to say the least. And instead really? of the cross metaphor, he uses the metaphor of the monk. When was that? 69 or 70? For the Buddhist 70, monk to burn himself like in protest of the Vietnam War. 70, 71. Yeah. Yeah. He uses that metaphor, which was also used in I Drink Your Blood, too. Right. That had to be a fucked up thing to see on the news, man. How was that to see that on the news? I don't remember it on the news. I was a little too young. Yeah, just imagine watching on the news. And that's a serious dedication to your religion there. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, I've seen, I've, I've seen uh, uh, definite uh, uh, footage amongst, you know, Self-immolizing themselves, immolation. Uh, but I never, I don't think I ever saw it on the news. To be honest. Have you ever heard of an obscure biker film, which is kind of hard to see, called The Jesus Trip? I've heard of it. I've never seen it though. Well, if you've seen it or not, imagine the Jesus parable, but told as a biker movie where the head biker is Jesus and the apostles are hell's angels. Goodness gracious. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those, okay. <laughs> and, that's kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, from what I heard, it's good, but it's not as bizarre as it should have been. Right. And, of course, we can't forget the two bizarre musicals that came out. One that was especially reverent, but people didn't like it back then. And then there's the one that was like 200% pure hippie shit, as they called it. And you would have thought that one would have been, this is blasphemous, this is against God. But that bad boy's still being played in churches today, isn't it? Oh, I love that movie. And, of course, we're talking Godspell. And the other one would be, of course, uh, uh, Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ Superstar. Superstar. But Godspell... We've talked about this a lot before, but how can a movie like it end up be more reverent than a movie that went to Israel to film in the exact historical locations? Yep. 
No, I'm asking you, how do you why do you think that Godspell ended up being the more reverent one? Well, simply because uh I think they really got the sense of the musical, which which is a parable. Uh but but uh it's so it's it I will say it's completely sweet natured because of course, you know, what happens at the end. But it it, it it's such I, I happen to like the music better. I think the, the music is better. I think a lot of things are much better in that film, but uh, in that yeah. musical. But the film itself used New York City to its utmost, man. The film used New York City as a character, and it's really, really good. Yeah, and you said that, but let's get into that. The Godspell is a parable movie. There is about. 10 or 20 parables in there, in the movie itself. Right. You know, and they're all taken from the Bible. Uh, and, and not only that, you're, you're talking about something that in when you teach a parable, you bring out your own understanding of it. So it's not literal. To me, uh, uh, the problem with uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, it's too literal. Yeah, it beats uh, it over your head. Right. To me, the problem with uh, Jesus Christ Superstar is Ted Neely, and I'm not saying this to make fun of him. I'm just saying that everyone else in that movie is so freaking good. Oh, yeah. That he sticks out like a sore thumb. Unlike Godspell, yeah. where everyone is good, and you love it when they get their moment. Yep. Very true. But you and, know and let's mean, face it, the guy who plays Judas is freaking awesome oh, in that movie. Oh, I love him. I listen to his songs all the time. Uh... Now, I'm talking you know. about Godspell, but both Judases are friggin' awesome. Yeah. When Car- Is it Carl Douglas or Davis? It's Carl Douglas in, in the... Um, in, uh, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Jesus Christ Superstar. I'd have to see who it is in... Uh, uh, he, plays, in uh, he plays two characters in the movie that switches. That makes another interesting twist. Is that during the first half, he's John the Baptist. Right. And then the second half, he's Judas. Right. He's his brother and betrayer. But once mm-hmm. you hear Carl Douglas sing, I don't know how to love him, Jesus. Oh, good Lord. He's so good in that. It's Carl Anderson, by the way. It's Carl Anderson. Carl Anderson. I just yeah. it up. Yeah. Really, really good. Really good. Um, and I'm looking up uh, Godspell right now so we know who that singer is. The, the one who plays Jesus is Vincent Garber, who t- turned out to be quite a character actor. I love Vincent Garber. Um, yeah. Well, all of them are but great Godspell, give me a moment. Oh, and Lynn Thigpen is in, in, in Godspell, too. Don't forget that. Yeah. David Haskell. Yeah. David Haskell. 
is is who who does it? I mean, really, you get into that. They're in God's spell. They're all character actors, so they knew how to do their moment, but let everyone else do their moment. Right. The other thing too is that David Haskell and all of them were basically part of the actual stage production, the New York stage yeah. production. So let's keep that in mind, too. Oh, and speaking of uh, Jesus parables, let's talk about one that if they were to release the movie uncut, God, that would have been a great movie. But now all we got is the shit 98 version, and that would be Jerry Cornelius and uh, the final program. Well, I don't call that a Jesus uh, a parable. It, yeah, it, but it look, how the, into... look how their son comes out at the end of the movie. Oh no, I I understand why you're going there. Okay. Yeah. But but to me, there's just so much more. Particularly since I'm such a great love, uh, I'm I'm in love with the Cornelius Chronicles, and and and, and that's a uh, um, uh, What's the guy's name? Um, Maybe the, the writer. But you always um, never mind. No jokes on this show. Okay. What's his name? Michael Moorcock. Moorcock, yeah. Uh, I, I'm such a big fan of Moorcock's work, and yes, there is a joke there, uh, and we'll 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 pass that by. Um, uh, but uh, to me, that's there's just too much in there about. Uh, uh, you know the the time frame that it was in the swinging sixties London yeah. uh, uh, to make it a true Jesus parable. Now, now yeah. since we, we talked about Jesus, the real hold on, yeah. Now, but if we're talking about Jesus parables, there there's one that's on my list that we have to talk about, and of course, I think we might even be watching this at one point or another. Well, hopefully, we haven't got to there yet pretty much in the timeline, since we're pretty much going by time. There's was okay, you're two going that's by around timeline. that era. Okay. That would be uh, the Angel Levine and Brother John. What is it with Sidney Portier wanting to do bizarre religious parables <laughs> in that period? Well, of course, that's Brother John. Uh, uh, and Brother John... Well, he was in a... Oh, uh, Harry, Bell, Harry Belafonte. It's Harry Belafonte and, and Angel Levine. Uh, and I'll get to that as soon as we're done with Brother John. Brother John, uh, I did not get a chance to see that before the show. I had seen it many, many years ago. Uh, and the thing I really like about some of these particular movies is what they focus on, if you're talking from a Christian viewpoint. And Brother John, much like many of the things I'm going to be talking about today, uh, is about... You know, forgiveness, not of uh, just of others, but of yourself, uh, of of kindness, and reflecting God God's love and and and, and being Jesus like and not Christian. And that's very much, and of course, the whole point with Brother John is because of what he does and so on and so forth. He's vilified uh, by by um, most of the people, except for for his closest disciples, so to speak. So, very yeah, much... Yeah, well, 
How would you like someone that shows up and says that they only show up at the point of someone dying or something bad happening? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You could say that he's also a metaphor for uh, the wandering Jew. Yeah, very much so. Or the goddess, say, the piper at the gates of dawn. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and notice how we're, we're we're focusing on different nomenclatures. So if you think Piper's at the Gates of Dawn, then you think of Pink Floyd. Of course, that was their first album. Uh, yeah. But all of this is connected because almost in any film, you know, particularly you know if it has any spiritual content at all, yeah. uh, you can take those and connect those with other films and even other religions that are depicted in films and so on and so forth. You're talking about, right now, religious parables in the early 70s, and you mentioned uh, Angel Levine. Now, Angel Levine is one of my favorite films of all time, directed by Jan Kadar, uh, uh, a Czech emigre, and, and uh, written by uh, Bill Gunn, who, who later gave us Ganjan Hess, which you could also argue has a lot of uh, uh, religious iconography. Um, I don't have to argue it's, it. It's full of African uh, religious kind of iconography. Absolutely. But uh, Angel Levine is specifically a Jewish viewpoint on angels. And so you have uh, uh, Zero Mostel, uh who is this older gentleman. And, and, and so he, at the beginning of the movie, he sees this thief who steals a, 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 a purse and then is run down by a car. Well, that happens to be Harry Belafonte. And Harry Belafonte comes back as a Jewish angel. And so not only do you have to, uh, does does Zero uh, uh, Mostel have to, uh, you know, accept that he's an angel, but that he's black. Okay, and of course you've got Bill Gunn writing the piece, who's who, who, who's a black author. So it has a lot to do with that. It also has to do with his wife, who's dying of a uh, uh, dying of a disease, and he has to believe in that that Belafonte is an angel for his wife to be cured, and ultimately he can't. And it's heartbreaking, and it's wonderful, and it's a fantastic film. And I would recommend it. Uh, uh, you know, as far as Jewish uh, representations, if we're talking about that, too, of course, you know, Fiddler on the Roof is around the same time, though that's not particularly religious. Uh, and then I got another one, which if we're going by by uh, time frame, we'll hold off on that. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so next going, one we're Stephen. doing I'm, next I'm Sunday with, uh, and, and next Thursday. And yeah, definition one, greaser, an insult directed to the Mexicans who, before World War II, slicked their hair back and wore zoot suits. Uh-huh. And what do you get when you get a parable about how the Mexicans were persecuted and a Christ parable. 
and a Jewish guy playing the lead. <laughs> yeah. Let's not forget that. Um, it's a hell of a movie, and and it's a movie that I've been wanting to do as a watch, and we're going to be doing it next week, and that would be Robert Downey Sr.'s Greaser's Palace. Uh, wonderful film. Uh, and very, very uh, um, non-PC. And, and, and it, it's well worthwhile. I love the movie. Alan, Ar- Alan Arbus, who is best known as playing Dr. Sidney Freeman on, on, uh, on MASH, the television show. Also, we have Herb Villachez uh, in, in it, and we have several people, and it's just, oh, oh we even have Tony Basil uh, uh, dancing. Uh, yeah. It's a wonderful film. It's a wonderful film, and, and just insane, and I love it to death. And it has a second role for the director's son, who we don't even know if anything ever happened to his career. All we know is he appeared in Pound and Greaser's Palace and some of his dad's other movies. Uh, yeah, and then, of course, you know, he, he ate a lot of good breakfast cereal and then became Iron Man. But uh, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Yep. Yep. If you believe so there, Ronald there we Downey go. Jr.'s story, Greaser's Palace is where he lost his uh, innocence, as to say, but he won't say who. <laughs> it's a great film. Great film. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, okay, really, continue. you got some weird ones in the 70s, like uh, ones that we could talk about but really don't count, but do they count, like Zachariah with Don Johnson as the... Or is it his friend who does the innocence thing? Uh, I haven't seen that in so many years, and I don't remember it that well, so I can't answer it. I do know that yeah. it exists. I know at one point I saw it. I wasn't that impressed, so there. Uh, they love doing the hippie Jesus thing in the 70s because the man's always trying to break down the hippie man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's absolutely. even a... Scene in whole in Easy Rider where uh, Peter Fonda's character is driving through the desert with his arms out. Yeah. What is it with that symbol, man? That it's like if they wanted, it's like okay, let's make this a Jesus parable, but let's be lazy about it. I know. We'll have our lead actor do the whole cross thing. In one scene. Well, you know, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Because the hippies at the time considered themselves, uh, um, uh, you know, ultra. You know, they they, they were anti-establishment. And if you really want to know, you know, if you don't get it, uh, 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 that Jesus was certainly anti-establishment. And therefore, you know, it makes sense. Yeah, even Sam Peck and Paul used it. Can you remember what movie used that symbol symbology in? Not particularly. Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. When but when Chris Christopherson's Billy the Kid surrenders himself to uh, Garrett at the first oh, right. movie. Oh right, right. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah. But yeah, that was the early seventies. They loved their analogies like that. And then we got the Christian exploitation films in the 70s, which 
seeing Brian Harris loves and Carl's like, why do you love this? That's weird, bizarre, idiotic, crap. We go. Well, remember, yeah. I attack things more from a theological viewpoint, so they don't fit in my my uh, sensibility <laughs> that much, to be honest. What's a man? Oh, I agree a lot. The good ones stand out, like the Thief in the Night series, but then you got the cross and the switchblade. <laughs> oh yeah. Did we have biker. to bring that up, really? Did we have it's to go Matt there? Boone, man. <laughs> I, that's the whole fucking point. Hey, you're lucky I didn't say one name, which his two films definitely go into the bizarre religious movie Hall of Fame. Okay. Estes T. Perkle. Oh, uh, they're so bad I love them. I'm okay with yeah. that. Just... Yeah, I'm and okay they are, if footmen tire you, what will horsemen do in the burning hell? Out of the two, everyone knows that footmen tired and it's good, but the burning hell will fuck you up. <laughs> yep. To say the least. Yeah. Imagine a, imagine hell with demons that are painted like stained glass windows, makeup on their faces. It's it's that, weird. In the Bible, you know, they well, say the worm turns. Do you think it's a metaphor? No, they mean literal worms will turn inside your body. What? <laughs> and then they show a scene of yep. somebody with worms crawling all over their face. Yep, that's what it is, people. So, so one other one we should mention, uh, and we can talk a little bit about it because it's a little previous to what we're talking about. If we're talking about uh, things like Keep Hour, is we also have to talk about Cop and Joe. Oh God, yeah. I mean, That's because if you uh, don't Catholic dogma, you'll get a lot of what's going on in the first two Coffin Joe films. But if you don't, like a vast yeah. empty landscape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna lose a little bit of that. You know, it's um. So the thing about Coffin Joe is he comes from. Brazil, uh, and which is a very Catholic area, Latin and uh, he was very, 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 okay. very, and and yeah, the thing very. about it is that he uh, was very anti-Catholic, uh, and he brings his character, who is the grave digger, uh, into this, and it's it he just attacks the Catholic Church like. Constantly, and it really is something. I mean, it, it, it's amazing he got away with it, as far as I'm concerned. Well, no, it's not amazing because of the endings. In the first one, on the eve of Easter Sunday, which is Good Friday, well, I mean, the movie, the first one takes place in short. When, on God's day, he gets punished for his sins. And then the second one, he ends up in hell, punished for his sins. Yep. I mean, 
is it the first? Or the, no, it's the second one where, yeah, he goes to hell and he's standing up there. I challenge you, God. Your power has nothing over me. And then, then these hands come up and drag him to hell. Yeah. Okay. The thing about that particular movie is is um, that the depiction of hell that uh, Marins uses in that coffin, Joe. Uh, is just amazing because it's not. We're all taught. We all were taught. You know, it's a burning hellfire. That's not what it is, as far as he's concerned. It's frozen, and everybody's frozen. And I like that that choice. It's also the only part of the film that's in color. Okay, he designed it that way. He only had so much color film, and uh, the visuals are stunning. Literally stunning. I mean, what do you think of that depiction? Oh, yeah, it is, and it brings up my top three honest depictions of hell. And the third one is Dogma, where Jason Lee's character is a demon, describes hell as a place that you're in the shadow and you don't feel the love of God. Mm-hmm. Yep. And second would be... Uh, Coffin Joe's the second one. Uh, I don't know if it's this night I possess your corpse or this night I rend your tear your flesh. It's it's the flesh one. Yeah, and number one would be one we're talking about, and this is a movie that compensates all hells. It describes the Christian hell, the Buddhist hell, but it's mostly into the Japanese hell. And it is a Japanese film, and it's called Jigaku. Jigaku. And what is Jigaku translated into English, Carl? Uh, it's hell. Yeah. Jigaku started out a genre called a hell movie, which is basically people doing shit for the first 45 minutes of the movie, and then end up hell during the last. Yep. It's about this guy. The first half is, uh, well, his dad's a scumbag who poisons people at a rest home with uh, bad fish. He is dating this pregnant girl, and the only reason he's dating her is so he could get a get get ahead in life and get an endorsement from his uh, soon-to-be father-in-law, but. You've seen it, right, Carl? Oh, yeah. I love it, and most people don't get it, that he's followed, that the guy who's always with him as his friend is his evil side. Mm-hmm. Like he shows yep. up and shows that, and this was a thing in Japan where in World War Two, you would have, uh, some of the soldiers admitted that they killed other soldiers for their food and their water. So he brings the professor this picture of it, you know. Right. And in Japan and in the Buddhist hell, there's 45 hells. The movie's concerned of the hell of dying without being baptized, which you can trace in the Catholic dogma too. Uh, oh, the absolutely. hell of disappointing your parents, the hell of being greedy, the hell, you know. Yep. Like Dante's Inferno times 11. 
Very much so. Very much so. And if you can make it through the first 45 minutes, it's an amazing, it's just an amazing movie, period. Agreed. Agreed. And and it's one you should definitely watch. Uh, It's gotten uh, much more of a cred these days uh, uh, because, uh, and uh, just because you can, you can find it more readily now. And, and uh, the visuals are just stunning. Seriously. Uh, again, uh, a very worthwhile film to watch. And Criterion, please put it on Blu-ray. Remaster it, please. Please. Yeah. Seriously. Seriously. And it created its own genre in Japan, hell genre, which really went up into Japanese hell in the 90s, which is... Uh, was done because of the sarin gas thing. Oh, and I can't forget uh, imprint by Takashi Miyake. Yep. If you watch it without knowing that it's a hell film, you'll be like, this is some weird shit. But if you know it's a hell film, it makes complete fucking sense, doesn't it? Yep. And what's next yep, on absolutely. your list, Carl? Sorry, I well, thought you wanted to slow hail something. Oh, that's you. okay. That's okay. So let's let's talk. Uh, okay, so let let's talk about a film. Now we've we've been dealing mostly with Christian films, uh, but um, we have two Islamic films that come from the same period. Uh, Mohammed, Messenger of God, 1975, and The Message, 1976. And the one, the, the first one uh, uh, stars Anthony Quinn, uh, but the one I want to talk about is The Message, which is a, 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 well, actually, Message is the one with Anthony Quinn. I take that back. Yeah, they um, changed the title. Okay, I have a story. Right. When it came out, the the Muslims were pissed off that they depicted Allah on film. So, right, well, Mohammed, too. They, right? What do you want to say, Carl? No, no, no. Uh, it was Mohammed. Uh, Allah, too, but Mohammed. You're not supposed to have any... Uh, yeah, they uh, had him uh, on screen, and uh, Muslims said, we're going to kill you. And word got back to Mustafa Akkad, and he said, pardon the language, Come on, you motherfuckers! I fucking kill you! I'm Mustafa fucking Akkad! I'll kill every one of you motherfuckers who come at you! Come at me! (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Of course, the movie was a box office flop, but... But it's it's a good film. It's a really good film, yeah. and the thing is, I'm going to be talking about a number of different films that are are different religions. <clears throat> and one of the well, things I, I wanted to to mention on all of them is I feel that they're very good representations of of, of the uh, religion, and I think this is a very good representation. Yeah, and, <clears throat> and it's and certainly to, not anti-Islam. Uh, yeah, and to really, you this know, is just. So that in the 60s, they did religious films that weren't religious films. And the two biggest ones 
that sum up the whole genre period is Charlton Heston, Ben-Hur, and Barbarous with Anthony Quinn. Rabbit. Now, you didn't let me finish, okay, because I have more to talk about here. Okay, um... So the one thing about this film and, and, and about the other films that I'm going to talk about, other religions, is that they're, they're very respectful of the religions. And for those of you who you know, think you know, that Islam and Muslims are evil or are, are, are not uh, uh, going to heaven or whatever, why don't you watch this film and see how, you know, Connected, you know, we are. Religions of all types are connected in various certain thoughts. And if we, if we look at what is similar about us in different beliefs as opposed to what's different, I think we would get along a hell of a lot better. Okay? Remember and so that's Malcolm my X little got, soapbox for today. Yeah. Look, uh, ahead, do you remember how much trouble Malcolm X got for... Uh, doing a sermon that pointed out the similarities between the Quran and the Bible? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, go ahead. The three major religions, we talk about the Judeo-Christian religion, Jews first and then Christian. But do not think that Islam isn't part of that because Islam... Part of the, the Quran is about Christ. Okay, uh, there's Muhammad in there. There's a number of different things, but they're all connected. They all come from the same geographical area. Okay, so don't think that there's not similarities between all of them. That's all I'm saying. Okay, well, go ahead. Well, look at my area of the South. That's the cumbersome, like Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama, Virginia, blah, 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 blah. You got... Baptists, Southern Baptists, uh, Christians, uh, Seventh-day Adventists, uh, Protestants, Catholics. Maybe even a couple of Episcopalians thrown in there. Yeah, Episcopalians. And you're trying to say that we're all, America is a Christian country. No. No, 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 no. You know, and, and plus also, let's not forget just the Christian uh, uh, you know, denominations you mentioned, you know, there are Jewish people, there are Muslim people in this country, yeah, there are Jewish, Islamic Muslim. people, you know, there are pagans, there there, there are Wiccans, you know, seriously, there's the rastrum. Right now, thank you to the pagan and Wiccan women for the pictures that you post online. Do it in religious <laughs> sincerity and thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, I'm distancing myself from that comment, okay? I'm just oh, saying... Oh, crap, you look at him, Don't be a hypocrite. <laughs> this is our tribute to uh, Willow, damn it. Mm-hmm. So, so I need to talk about a couple others that are not uh, a Christian. Okay, so, so we talked about the message. Another one, which I do not know the film. I've never seen it. But I find it really interesting when I was looking and, and researching this. It's a movie called On Wings of Fire. Originally filmed in 1986, but not released until 2007 here in the States. Okay? 
And uh, when you talk about India, you know, you basically talk about Hindi. But there is a section of northern in India, uh, which, uh, uh, which are uh, uh, basically Sarastrianism. They are followers of Sarastra, who is a, uh, a specific uh, uh, prophet. And On Wings of Fire is a movie, and the only movie, the only uh, 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 dramatic movie on Sarastrianism. It stars Zubin Mehta. Now, do you know who Zubin Mehta is, Stephen? No. Zubin Mehta is a conductor of orchestra, and he is a Sarastrian. And uh, so uh, uh, Derek I Jacobi is the... I get Sarastrated every time I have to talk to you on this show. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh but but anyway, he uh, goes back to his home area and uh, learns about the religion and the uh, mysticism and all that Rastrianism. And it's a, a, a wonderful. It's it, it's supposed to be a really good solid movie, and the only one about it. Now the interesting thing too is, do you know who I mean by Persis Kambada? Yeah. Okay. So Persis Kambada was the star of Star Trek, the motion picture. Okay, and if you remember, she was the oh, one the who was bald. I mean, oops. Yeah. Okay. Now she was supposed to be in this film, in the Zubin Mehta, uh, uh, and it was supposed to be her journey. And they had borrowed a number of books because she was also a Sarastrian, uh, and uh, from her. But then they cut her out. And she got really pissed about it. So she she bitched and moaned about the film, and that's one of the reasons it was never released when it was first filmed here in the United States. And, well, and so we had to wait for a while. She was uh, same as Star Trek the motion picture. She was uh, being interesting on the set. Yes, I heard that too. I heard that too. So anyway, anyway, so there, there we got that, and there's one other I want to talk about, and then we can get back to Christian films, and and then we'll get into pagan. Is um, well, we're in all sorts of stuff, so hey. Okay, so so when you go into Japanese films, or when you go into Hong Kong films, and you watch watch uh, uh, any of those, and you see a depiction of the Monkey King. Okay. And there are several films, and and one of them is Circle of Iron. You can go off on that in a minute. Um, that is Shinto religion, right? Okay. And that's from Japan. And and another one that I love, okay, which came out just a couple of years ago, I think uh, 2016, is the animated film Kubo and the Two Strings, which uh. is about this ma- magical instrument that he has. Uh, and uh, he has to find his father and fight the Moon King, and all this is from the Shinto religion. And I'm so sorry, Kubo and the Two Strings isn't shit next to Alakazam and the Great. Whoever does the Monkey King voice ain't no Frankie Avalon, bitch. <laughs> Alakazam yeah, the Great, no, 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 that, damn it. No, I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, uh, the, 
oh, uh, the guy from Dharma and Greg was in a sci-fi uh, 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 miniseries called The Monkey King. And let me tell you something. You want to watch a fucking train wreck. I mean, it was three days, uh-huh. two hours each. Oh, my God. I couldn't keep my eyes off of it. It was wonderfully bad. But, yeah. But if you oh, were to say what your best, what the best representation of the Monkey King is, Stephen, and, of course, I know the answer to this. Go ahead and tell us about it. Uh, you mean Jet Li in the Forbidden Kingdom? Well, I was thinking actually, uh, actually Circle of Iron. That one's good, but that one's not there. But yeah, okay. Let me get into a little history. You probably didn't. The Monkey King is the most high in prize role for an action star over in Hong Kong. When Jet Li did the Monkey King in the Forbidden Kingdom, that's all they said. They said we want you to be in this movie. Oh, uh, I don't know. You get to be the Monkey King. Finally! (laughs) There is so many... You don't understand, man. There is so many Monkey King movies out there. The latest one is not that, but the two-part that the guy who did King uh, Kung Fu Hustle, Stephen Chow, just did a two-film Monkey King series. Oh, nice. I I didn't know that. I'll have to check that out. He's pretty good. And anything that deals with, like, Journey to the West is the Monkey King story. Right. Alakazam the Great was a Monkey King story, truthfully, but Samuel Arkoff changed the plot and everything when he brought it to the West. Mm-hmm. The original <laughs> plot David of uh, Alakazam is... Humility, teaching him humility. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and humility, and, and and working with others, and 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 uh, also the sense of family. As the Monkey King yeah. does his travels, he picks people up, and 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 they teach him the, the spirit of family and the spirit of humility very much. And the journey to the West, the Monkey King came out for another book, which I don't know if Tolkien read it, but it's another, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yep, I would agree with that. But yeah, Circle of that. Iron is uh, is a unique film because it was. Uh, what happened was is, uh, Bruce Lee just got done with Kung Fu. He got done with uh, the Green Hornet, and he was teaching and was best friends with Sterling Hillifant and James Coburn. So him and Sterling Hillifant got together, and if you get any, if you got the DVD of Circle of Iron, it has as a computer disc only extra the original script written by Sterling Hillifant and Bruce Lee. And if you look at the Bruce Lee documentary that's on the Enter the Dragon DVD, you'll see pictures of him in the costumes as the Monkey King, blah, blah, blah. 
And the whole film is about a philosophical journey. Right. And David Carradine plays uh, three roles in it. One as a Persian uh, trader, T-R-A-D-E-R. One as a blind monk. And the third as the monkey king. Oh, wait, there's four. He plays death, too. Yes, he does. And the guy who plays the lead is good. But it could have used a real actor, but, it, but the movie is just so good that it casts by. And the ending will mess you up if you're expecting a big kung fu film and a kung fu fight. Because there is rarely any fights in this movie, and every one of the fights that does happen are there for a reason. Right. Like, uh, there's a scene where he fights these bandits all over a village and destroys the boat of them and all this stuff. And he's like, why did you do all that? And all of a sudden, boom! You've been here before! And instead of saying yes, he just smacks him on the face and he goes, how many times? Is that it's, a real religious parable? You know, instead of leaving you with answers, it gives you new questions. It says you do not stop learning. Which actually is is, is very true. I mean, you know, uh, several, even Christian uh, denominations, you know, faith grows, okay? Faith, you, you never lose your faith and you want to feed your faith so it grows stronger. Okay, and that's very true. Yeah. yeah. That's the truth through all religions. And again, that's that's sort of the point. If you look at other representations, you can you can take from that and put it into your own sense of spirituality. And so, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Japanese, Shinto, if it's if it's Islamic, if it's this, that or if it's pagan, or whatever the case would be. You know, we don't have to fight like Sergeant Howie uh, against uh, against the pagans uh, on Summer Island. We don't have to do that. We have to yeah, try remember, to Sergeant understand. Howie's also things. fighting against himself. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that that's a good uh, a good representation. Appreciate and I that, love Steve. the ending because. He's fighting to lose his book of knowledge, and it has everything that you will need to know and everything that you will know in your life. And when he finally opens up, it's just a book of mirrors. Yep. And that's just the thorough truth. Everything that you know is you. You are your own book of knowledge. Absolutely. And, and and the other thing too, and, and, and that you know, all of this comes comes in, into to you know, there, there's Confucianism and there's a number of different things, uh, uh, Buddhism and that, and they're all I won't say they're the same, but certainly they they're the same but they different. Use a lot of the same uh, philosophical viewpoints. Very yeah. much so. And also with the ending, it's like once you get to that point. 
you either become a monk and stay there in the beauty of your knowledge, or you go out and teach and pass it on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And we know what we're doing since we're doing this podcast. Yep. We're trying. That's for sure. Pass yeah, on knowledge. And you're ruining, and to quote Reanimator with your class, you're closing their minds before they even have a chance to be open. Well, you know what uh, Frank Zappa said, you know, a mind is like a parachute. Uh, it doesn't work unless it's open. Seriously. Yeah, you don't open it. When it comes to religion and movies, you have an open mind. When it comes to music, your mind is so narrow that if I put a diamond in the crack, it'll become, if I put a piece of coal in the crack, it'll become a diamond in five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah, that circle of iron is, a, like I said, a, a, a full of Bruce Lee's philosophy. And that's one of the rarest things to find is it's easy to find a religious film or a religious parable or something like that. But it's goddamn hard to find a movie on just philosophy, religious philosophy. Yeah. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Uh, very much so. Philosophy is very undervalued, and, and you have to grab it where you can. But I, I do want to make one other point before we go on, Stephen. So, how many Paplum films have you seen? How many Greek myths have you seen? How many, oh. you know, uh, 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 Norse films have you seen? They're all mythology. Yeah. They're all religious films because they are sharing the stories that these people believed in from that period of time. And so, you know, we we think of something like uh, Thor Ragnarok, you know, as, you know, it's just a fun superhero movie. No, there's a lot of mythology. And mythology, you know, know, I, I may get into trouble for this, but mythology is religion or was at one point. And do not think that that Christians don't have mythology either, or Jews. You know, you know. Don't think that. And for all of my Norse death metal and religious fans, his name on Facebook is K A R L K A E F E R. Bitch at him. But oh, yeah, no, is there going to be a fatwa on me now? What? A fatwa. That's what you just oh, said. I don't you know. Want They'll probably make me. It there. But, yeah, if you're going into, uh, uh, what you said, uh, Norse mythology, the one that yeah. I would recommend that's not talked about that much is locusts. Oh, Yeah. So tell us that about that. That was a scene nowadays, but it's good. It's a werewolf yep. movie, except that... Hell, you want to get in the real show difference like religious mentality, get into the werewolf tales of every country. America, wolf. Uh, Norse, bear. Japan, cat. 
comes you know together, that, you know. You know, that just reminded me of something, too. What? Okay. Wolfen. Think about yeah, it. That's, that's based North on Native American, American uh, mythology. That's Native American. Shapeshifter. Absolutely. The original book was the real name of the shapeshifters, but that name is so hard to say and a confusing name that he decided just to make it Wolfen, which is a bare-bones translation. It, it's a wonderful film. It seriously is. Yeah. Out in the Indians, you would have them change into hawks, wolves, scorpions, you know. Like, look at Dracula. What does he change into? Uh, he changes into a bat. A bat, a wolf. Yep. And people are like, what does that have to do with religion? Well, it does, because why would you have in North Country where there isn't, you know, isn't a prominent wolf? You would have bears because they're prominent there. Like, you remember the Disney movie where, uh, well, they had the shape guy shape shifting the bear, little bear, based on the Eskimo? Yep. Yeah. In a way, the Eskimos are cooler than us because we just got a book. They got them totem poles with their religious and history on it. They got big ass oh, yeah. statues. Yep. But yeah, once you get into the Middle Eastern stuff, you get into stuff like jinns, which are genies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't forget the biggest Jewish horror film of all time, which usually when there's a Jewish, it's either the Dibyuk. The Dibyuk or the Golem. Yeah, the Golem. And the golem is 200% a Jewish monster. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Just like, uh, what do you have in Germany? Uh, we have a number of things. Um, basically, what I'm familiar with more are the folktales. Not so much the, yeah. the, the religious folktales, but the the Baron Munchausen's and yeah. various things and like that. You know that. what the real untapped vein is? And you said it Russian. Like uh, you just oh, yeah. look at one by Gogol, uh, the V. Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah. Yeah. V. Yeah. V. And that's about a seminary student. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Who runs and, uh, across uh, a witch. Yeah. And he's not strong enough. Yeah. I just watched that forget, about a month ago. First time Baba I've Yaga. ever seen it. Baba Yaga. Let's not forget Baba Yaga either. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, that stuff I do know pretty much. Because, uh, uh, yeah. again, I had a Hungarian grandmother who would tell me these things and tell me these stories. And yeah. I, I love them, too. Very much so. And it goes that goes back into religion. And it goes comes from different places that are here. We are a predominantly Catholic and like country, 
because those are the people that got tired of hearing the Church of England go, you got to worship this way. So they went, nah, we'll come over to America. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Another good religious one that goes into what we just said is the witch. The witch. Oh, yeah. Or Eyes of Fire, we're going to go there, too. Absolutely. They're well, that's Eyes of Fire, and the witch really gets into it like they're banned from the village because they, like, you're not as holy as me. Oh, yeah, get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, what's the next one on your list, Carl? Well, okay, so so let, let's go on here. <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about what Gnosticism is. Okay, so Gnosticism is this sort... Okay, so let me start. Okay, back when Jesus... Was 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 preaching, and then he died and, and resurrected, and all that. You, there were Christian churches, okay, but also at the same time, there were churches that took the Christian religion, also added some some Greek and Roman mythology to it, and also came up with the idea that reality is not real, that we have different setups of reality, okay? And it is through knowledge and through faith that we can break through all those barriers and come to the real center of what what uh, religion and, and, and our reality is, okay? And that's where we meet God. Well, that was completely against what the Christian church was becoming. And so the Christian church, about 200 to 300 A.D., went all patriarchal because the Gnostic priestesses were all women. Okay? And so so basically they uh the Gnostic churches and, and you could also put in the Celtic uh religion uh in on this too and that would be Ireland, then became, you know, uh basically were were basically driven out. Well, back in the eighteen hundreds, nineteen hundreds, then Gnosticism uh, started to come back, and one of the great Gnostic writers of the 20th century is Philip K. Dick, who's one of my favorite authors of all time. So there's you know, a couple know of what things. you just said about the Gnostic religion nowadays? What? Mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. yeah there, there, there's some of that, too. And let me say there's something some of that before too. you go there. Okay, people know the story of St. Pathificus and him driving the snakes out of Ireland. Guess what the snakes are a metaphor for? Uh, yeah, the Celtics. Yeah, the Celts. Absolutely. They yep. didn't like the pagans because they fucked too much. <laughs> that too. And, and of course, then you get into to, uh, the Wiccans too. Okay, and, and, and so so now we're into that end of it. Okay, so so the best sense of Gnosticism, okay, best movie representation, is a movie called The Nines. Do you know this movie? 
The what? The Nines. The Nines? Yeah, with uh, Ryan oh. Reynolds. Okay, so oh. the setup is there are three different stories. Okay, they are inter they are interconnected. They're all about that the person in each story. One of them is Melissa McCarthy. The other one is Ryan Reynolds, and I forget who the third one is. Oh, no wonder I didn't see it. Realize, God, realize that they're that their uh, reality is skewed, that something is wrong, okay? That it's not right. And it's uh, through each time they realize that they're being, uh, uh, um, they're being like uh, hypnotized and that. And they have to break this spell. Well, at the end of the movie, all three end up on this plane where they suddenly see this light and everything becomes clear. And once you see this white light and they're all there, then the movie goes to black and it's over. So you never know what it is. But think of something like The Matrix, too. Anything where reality yeah. is not real and you have to come to a real sense of what reality is, yeah. I'm sorry, that's not Carl, but as soon as you said Melissa McCarthy, the movie went in the toilet. So she's actually and really good in this. She is. She's and really good in this. I know you're not a Melissa McCarthy fan. I have Who to show like is this? Who is the head chili uh, spy maker on this it's show? It's yours. Then, then, by my decree as God of my own world, that movie sucks. It says <laughs> no one should see it. Well, whatever. <laughs> I don't care what See, you say. See, and that's how religion just, is spread. Some guy goes, you will worship the way I work, worship. And then the other guy goes like, Carl, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll think of my own stuff. Exactly. But but uh, another one I want to mention, too, which which if you see films that that sort of blend you know, the sense and then and, and, uh, Christian. There's a wonderful film uh, from 2016, which I've talked about a lot on, on these podcasts, and I won't go too heavy into it. But it's called A Dark Song, and it's about this woman who wants, who whose uh, son has died, and she wants to reconnect with her son. Uh, she finds a psychic who uh, goes through this whole month-long, two-months-long ceremony that they have to hold themselves up in the house. Uh, it, it connects with Aleister Crowley uh, and his beliefs. There's a lot. They even say in, in the movie itself, this is Gnosticism, not Christianity. But one of the things about all of these movies that we talk about is about forgiveness, not just of others, but of yourself. And this woman has to learn to forgive herself of the tragedy of her son dying because she doesn't forgive herself so she can't move on. And that's what this is all about. And I recommend that movie highly. Highly. And before we get into the whole O's, I want to talk about one in the 90s that's a little weird, but I love the first one, but the sequel suck, and that would be The Prophecy. I just like the idea that the angels 
are fighting to find the soul of this guy who was a bloody butcher during the Vietnam War because they don't know how to fight. And because of that, there's a stalemate and a war in heaven which has caused the gates to close. Right. And you haven't lived till you've seen Christopher Walken as Gabriel. He's awesome in that movie. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, he spends the whole movie calling us humans monkeys and meat sacks. And we're okay with that. Yeah. And, of course, one of the best devils on screen, uh, Viggo Mortensen, he's only in the movie for about ten minutes, but God, does he... He almost steals the movie from uh, Christopher. Oh, absolutely. Almost. Almost. Which is kind of hard to do. Think about it. Go ahead. I think about it. You have to steal it from from uh, from uh, uh, Christopher Walken. Stealing a movie from Christopher Walken is not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. I'm just saying. And don't forget this line. Do you remember when you were a kid and you thought there was something under the bed that was going to get you? You're right. It was me. Yep. And then there's this little movie by Abel Ferrara, which has not caused the anti-religion anger that you would think but it has caused a lot of religious arguments because of the ending, and that's the bad lieutenant. Oh, man. Yeah, if we start talking about, you know, films that pissed off the, the, the Christian right, you know, that that actually did not as much as another one I'll mention, but yeah. No. But, why, but the big fight about that was, and me and you have thought about this before. At the end of the movie, did he redeem himself enough to go to heaven? Oh, good question. That's the whole question. Yeah, and I say, hell no. He's a drug-taking, uh, pedophile, rapist. <laughs> well, you know. You know. I mean that's a good question, and, yeah. and 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 I happen to think he does. I think he does. You know, yeah, but you uh, got hope, and I'm cynical. Yeah, and I'm not saying you're not. And I love that scene. I think it was well. The part that was improvised is that, and for our script, Jesus, the guy who played Jesus, had lines. But when he come in, he couldn't remember a damn one of them, so he just, Ferrara just said out of frustration, okay, just fucking walk towards Kaitel. Right. And how does that work? Oh, uh, it works perfectly. I mean, Kaitel is just on his knees crying, going, where were you? Where the fuck were you? And he just walks towards him with his hands and his arms open. Yep. And not in the Christ pose, but in a hug pose. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's very, you know, it, it, it's a good film, and it's certainly one to mention. Uh, it's one that's going to make you uh, uh, question your beliefs. And I actually think that's a good thing. 
you know. I mean, that's me. And the reason I bring this up is that you would think that after as good as the bad lieutenant were, it would have gotten its two sort of spiritual successors really right after each other. Right. Wouldn't you say, Carl, people trying to do the same song and dance? Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. But we had to wait until the, the uh, double digits, the OOs, to get two movies okay. within about four years of each other, and one is about a Catholic priest in Ireland who's con- who's just walking around angry and depressed while he's getting phone calls from this guy. And the other one is about this American uh, Catholic priest who is on the verge of contemplating suicide. Okay, so so what movies are you talking about here? One would be Calvary. Okay, you got you got the setup of that wrong. Now, I thought you were mentioning Calvary, but I'll I'll go yeah. into the setup of that. Yeah. Okay. And the second is the one with Ethan Hawke. Okay. Uh, okay. I I what is the one with Ethan Hawke? I didn't have that one down. That's the Paul Schrader film. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's talk about Calvary first, because that was one that I had. So Calvary yeah. is the setup. Is the small Irish village. Okay, this is at the time where the whole thing of of uh, the uh, pedophile and, and uh, has hit the the roof in Ireland. Okay, you have this priest who was married beforehand, but his wife died, and and he decides to come in as the the, the priest of this small town played by Brendan Gleeson. And he is at uh, uh, the uh, confession. And one of his people say to him, uh, you know, I'm going to kill you because you're innocent. I was uh, molested when I was young. The person that did it to me, the priest that did it to me, is long gone. And I need to punish the Catholic Church, basically, and I'm going to kill you. And you have a week to to get yourself in order and get your life in order. And in the meanwhile, he has to deal with his daughter who comes to visit him, the priest, who is who has just tried to commit suicide. Uh, oh, this sounds like a lot of fun to, to go through, uh, this movie. And um, it's basically a parable on the 14 station, stations of the cross. Okay. And that's what it's a parable of. Um, but as dark as what is being said, the, the um, screenplay and the director is, is Martin McDonough, who has a really, really wicked sense of humor. Uh, previous to that, he had done The Guard, uh, uh, which also played a uh, uh, star at Brandon Gleeson. And it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. And... Yeah, it's it's tough to get through, particularly the end of it. But the two things that, that really focus on is a sense of being an innocent and having to make this walk and not going to die at the end of it. That's one. But the other one is, and I've mentioned this before in this podcast, about forgiveness. It's about 
<coughs> forgiving others. It's about how that's the one uh, uh, trait that's underrated in Christianity and that we forget that we need to do that not only for others but for ourselves. And if you hear this thing from me all the time, I, that's what I focus on. If a movie is about forgiveness, I'm there because I believe that 100%. Yeah. And plus, uh, uh, so it's that, on... that is Calvary. Go ahead, finish. And plus it's on one of my favorite elements of the Wicker Man, which is the nature of sacrifice. Right. Like, the reason that the innocent is sacrificed in Calvary is because, well, this here's the real world. If I molested a girl and she blew my brains out, it would be... By God, that some bitch got what she deserved. She did good. But if I mol- but if I molested a girl and then they shot Carl, it would be like, oh my God, an innocent was killed because of this bad thing. We need to stop this bad thing before more innocent people get hurt. And that's very true. That's that's part of the the, the point of the film. Yeah. No question. And it's sad that the innocent has to pay so we can actually get something done. That's always been a bend. Like, you know. Well, that's the, that's the focus of Christianity. Christ was without sin. And therefore, he was the perfect sacrifice for all our sins. I mean, that's the whole point. Yeah, but my point is, and it, and it really can't give an answer, is why does that not, why does that still affect non-Christians, even uh, what what do they call it, that don't believe in God? Uh, uh, ag- well, agnostics believe that there is a God, but don't believe in religion, and atheists don't believe that Atheism. there's a God. Yeah. It's always been the yeah. innocent sacrifice that greases the wheels of progress. Mhm. Very true. Very true. Like so, if so you mentioned, die, you mentioned like, this. Okay, finish up. I'm sorry. Like the coronavirus. If it's nothing but old folks getting killed, oh fuck it, let them die. But the second that an eight-year-old girl or a little baby dies, oh my God, this is epidemic. We need to stop this now. Yep. yep. Our values as a race, human race, are fucked up. <laughs> yep. So so you mentioned uh, First Reformed is the name of the movie that Paul yeah, Schrader did with Reformed. Ethan Hunt. Uh Okay, I should give you a little bit of information on Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader grew up in a Calvinist household. His father was a Calvinist preacher. Now, when I say... Calvinist. Okay, uh, you're talking about some of the most strict sense of, of of Christianity. He grew up in a household where he was not allowed to see movies. Uh, think John Lith- Lithgow in uh, um, in uh, uh, a 
the what's the movie where he's the preacher and you're not allowed to dance? Footloose. Not flash dance. But yeah. But, but that don't that. count because uh, he does it because his son get killed. Uh, think. Uh, oh, think Paul yeah, Schrader. That's as you'll <laughs> get, but yeah. Yeah, uh, think Paul Schrader the, because, because if you take a look Robert at uh, Hardcore, yeah. uh, 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 the George C. Scott character is a Calvinist preacher. Okay, let me say and he goes, sidebar. He says that... There's that one scene at the the bus stop where he's talking about talking to the girl about what it means to be Calvinist. Yeah. Uh, but Robin Booth so, did an interview with Leonard Trader, Paul Schrader's brother. He said that they didn't see a movie till they were 14, and when they snuck into the theater, they felt like they were going to hell for watching a movie. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, so so he he really brings this out, and and if there's anyone that represents the Calvinist uh, 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 denomination of Christianity in film, it is Paul Schrader. It is Paul Schrader, and, and you will find that his the 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 end of his characters generally are not pleasant. Take a look at that, and and, and that means. That, but that's all about eternal damnation. You know, without this strict sense of Calvinism, you're all going to hell. Okay? And and and, and, and it's really amazing. Uh, uh, but I would recommend First Reform. There's a lot of things in this movie. There's a lot of um, uh, Tarkovsky moments, uh, levitation moments, things like that. Which you have to understand some of the other sense of, of what he's bringing in, but the whole sense of Calvinism and this particular sense, and, and one of the things I do have to mention uh, is Cedric the Entertainer uh, uh, plays this preacher who's a friend of Ethan Hawke's, who uh, uh, is uh, more Southern Baptist and, yeah. and and much more, and and they have some conversations. That are just amazing. Seriously. Would you agree that would About, be a hell of a triple feature? Uh, the Bad Lieutenant, Calvary, and First Reformed? Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone could survive that. <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. Good, you know, and I'm like, and that's a bad thing? Okay, so... so as, as we start to, to 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 get to the end here, there's a couple other movies I want to mention, okay? Uh, and one in particular. Um, so, the, so the first one, very briefly, is a film called Born of Fire. Born of Fire is a, 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 a Buddhist film. Uh, stars Peter Furst. And it's fucking gorgeous. Basically, he is, he is a, 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 a flutist in a orchestra who has visions and goes to Turkey to uh, find his long-lost father, who was also a musician and studied under this great mystical musician. And uh, uh, it's quite an interesting film. It also sort of brings in the same uh, uh, story as The Magic Flute. 
okay, if you know the Mozart opera. And that, that's a film that's hard to find, but if you find it, it's it's certainly interesting. And it'll, uh, it won't be like anything you've seen before. But there's one other film we need to get into, okay? And it's one of my favorite religious films, and I just thought of it as we started this. And if there's a movie I want to end up on, which I think is a really positive sense of angels, you talk well, about the prophecy. Okay, well, after this, yeah. But you talked about the prophecy. I need to talk about Wings of Desire. Which oh, I God, think is an yeah. absolutely incredible film. And it's Bruno Gantz. It's directed by Vin Benders. It's uh, partly in German, partly in English. And it's about this angel that goes around Berlin. And as people are dying, he's there to comfort them and bring them into the next world. But as he does this, he starts to want to become human because he finds this acrobat, this female acrobat, Sobets de Martin, plays her. And um, he, he starts to fall in love, and, and his, his friend, who's also an angel, they start talking, and then all of a sudden, Peter Falk shows up as an angel who became human and sort of guides Bruno Gans into becoming human. And and it's a wonderful film. It's a life-affirming film. And I think it's one of the most humanistic portrayals of religion I've ever seen. I think it's a and wonderful... Peter Falk uh, says the most ultimate Carl line ever. What? Why did you become human? I like the food. <laughs> yeah. I like the food. And there's a sequel, too. I like the What's the sequel's name? Truly, Madly, Dick Far Dom. away, so close. Yeah, far away. Far so away, close. so close. And it has uh, Leon Not as close as the original, devil. but still good. It has Leon Defoe as the devil. Yes. Which is always good. Uh, uh, but those two films, and particularly ones that this are, uh, if you want a religious film that lifts your spirit without, you know, being proselytizing like all these films, you know, like God's Not Dead, we haven't talked about any of those because we're not going to, you know. We're talking about ones that, that, that make you think. And this one is one of the most uplifting films I've ever seen as far as a Christian My film. My goal in every uh, show is to make Carl curses, and here I go. What's that wonderful remake that they did with Meg Ryan and Nicolas Cage of it? There was no fucking remake. <laughs> yes, there was. It had Nicolas Cage in it. No, there wasn't. It does it was not so exist. It, it does not. It is a perfect world, and it doesn't fucking exist. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that movie sucked. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. American American audiences and American filmmakers didn't get the mysticism at all of it. They just, you know, went directly to the romance and oh, it's a romance and he's an angel. Isn't that cute? No, that's not what the original movie is about at all. You know, the romance is just part of it. And I'm sorry, I loved you in uh, NYPD Blue, but what's his name? Dennis Fran? 
You're no Dennis Peter Franz, Falk. Yeah. You're no Peter Falk. No. But no, here's my two. Not. The second one is a movie that pretty much ultimately destroyed. Well, no, Dune was the one that um that was really the last film that uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky did for a decade, and that would be The Holy Mountain. That. There was so much going on in that movie that we could do four commentaries on it and just barely scratch the surface. Oh, absolutely. From the very beginning, it shows like each character, when they show up, it shows like a tarot card near them. And it has Jesus as the fool who's woken up from his slumber by a bunch of uh, little boys with green ding-dongs. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so think about that for a second, because because to me, uh, The Holy Mountain is very Gnostic. It is definitely a Gnostic film, as far as I'm concerned. Well, no one uh, because one of the about... things you said. No. I love it because most people are pissed off about the ending of it, but I love it. Oh, I agree. Each journey's end is the beginning of the next journey. Yep. And unlike most movies that are like that, they go from normal to hyper-surrealism by the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Joe DeWarski, oh, very for much the first so. frame of that, he goes from hyper-surrealism to surrealism to magic realism. Look up your Mexican fucking literature and film if you want to understand what that is. Yep. Or should I explain what that is? Now, uh, you could, you, you, I mean, if you want to, go ahead. It's uh, the thing about, uh, you know, explanations are never complete. Yeah. You know, they never. What are. magic realism is is that it was like a realistic story, like Carl walking down the street and going to the cheese shop. But magic realism, well, the best way to describe magic realism is the floating scenes in First Reform. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just like fantasy. It's one of the few films, the actual American films, that actually get magic realism right. Yep. And then he ends up in realism. And then he ends up in our reality when he goes zoom back, and you get to see the actual camera crew filming the movie. Mm-hmm. And even then, they just walk off on their next adventure. They say that. Yep. That is a true religious adventure, isn't it, Carl? Yeah. And, and the other thing is the sense of, of, of dealing with the different realities it's like I said earlier with Gnosticism. There are different yeah. realities that we have to break down to get to the real reality. The, the Holy Mountain is, is, it uses a lot of different uh, uh, religions in terms of mysticism and, and uh, Buddhism and Sarastrism, all to break down these realities to get to the yeah. real reality that Jodorowsky wants to present. Yeah, which is, the most this is Gnostic fulfilled. scene is where... Uh, the fool or the Jesus character climbs up to the top of the tower, and then you see this giant circle at the end of it, and he gets closer to it. 
right. and then you think it's going to be, you know, there and just, bloop, it's a paper circle. Right. You know, uh, another one, you know, that we didn't really talk about, and I'm not saying we should or shouldn't, but but uh, the sense of um, game of death, that whole sense of, of climbing up and, and, and finding out that... Game of uh, death and one. Let's put those together. Boop. Okay. Yeah, that's why I brought it up. Yeah. And what that is, it's like the Holy Mountain. You start at the bottom, and then as you fight to the top, it keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Like the original ending of Bruce Lee's Game to Death was him fighting through that tower, and at the top there's this very old man sitting covered in spider webs, and then Bruce Lee fights him and wins, and then the old man says, now you are the best. And then he just vanishes. And then Bruce was going to look around for an exit, and there wasn't any. So he just right. sits on the throne where the old man was sitting and waits. Yep. And really, that's exactly what happens what, what, when the best. Yep. And another great one from the 90s, which it got Robert Duvall an Oscar nomination, but it's pretty much forgotten nowadays, and I love it because it's honest, and that's uh, The Apostle. I love The Apostle. I love The Apostle. I, um, it, it It's an interesting film, and it's something that, that we were talking about Previously, and you said you knew priests like that, and, and you were raised Southern Baptist, right? Yeah, my grandfather was like that. I got, we still got his Bible and the big silver trunk with the my grandmother's stuff, and it's warped from where he's a boom Bible thumper. Oh yeah. And where that tune yeah, comes from is like I'm gonna do it with my chest. Hold on. They would say a speech. And then smack their chest, and then do that to accentuate what they were saying instead of an exclamation point. Can you hear me, Carl? Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can. Testify. Testify. Yeah, that's what they would do. They would do that to get people pumped up. And nowadays, it means someone that just blindly believes the Bible. They've worked. They've ruined a good word. Yeah, it's um, and the thing about it is the story. Okay, just so you know what the story is, uh, it's it's this um, apostle who finds his wife is 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 cheating, and basically kills his wife. And he and, and he's and, trying and to he kills her lover by bashing his head in with a baseball bat. Right. I mean, oh, at that's the it. Yeah. Of the film. He's an alcoholic, a braggart, an adulterer. Yep. And the whole movie is about him going to this, ending up in this small church and finding his face again. Mm hmm. It, it's a good film, and it's a really good uh, uh, um, Robert Duvall role. I mean, he's just fantastic in this movie. 
Um, it's, it's, it's well done. It's well done. Uh, one of my favorite scenes in that film is he comes by, by this river, and there's an Episcopal church, an Episcopal priest, that is baptizing people. Uh, uh, and and uh, or it might be Catholic. I'm not sure, but it's either Episcopal. No, or Catholic. it's Episcopal. It's South. And and he says, and he says, you know, hey, we're we're doing the same thing. We're just in different boats. And I like that. Yeah. I like that. We're just in different. And boats. I like the ending. He doesn't. And most of the Catholic films, when we aren't going to talk about God's not dead and all that bull crap. If the lead hero would have done something like that, they would have found a way for him to be forgiven and got off. This one, he is forgiven at the end, but he still goes to jail. Oh, yeah. But the ending shows him preaching in prison. Right, exactly. He hasn't lost his faith yet. He ain't lost his faith. He's just going for, you know, where to... Lord has taken him to spread the message. Right. And to me, that's more of a happy ending than, uh, this is referring to God's not dead, someone who's uh, anti-God getting hit by a car and then finding God because they're going to die. Right. Yep. Or as George Collins said, you never find an atheist on death row. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a number of those. You know, there's there's not an atheist in a foxhole. Uh, uh, or Bill Hicks said said one. Uh, you know, I guess Charles Colson found God in 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 in, uh, uh, in prison. Couldn't God run away quicker than that? I mean, seriously. Or he said something to that effect. Yeah. Or the Mexican joke. The guy goes, I found Jesus in prison. Yeah, there's about 50 guys named Jesus in prison. What about it? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yep. But, yeah, this all ties into the Wicker Man because the Wicker Man is not anti-religion. It's anti-blind faith. In any of these movies that you watch, there's no element of blind faith. True. Very true. If you want to see where Blind Face ends up, look at a lot of the mafia movies. And you always had the poor bastard, you know, like uh, Sal Tessio, who was like, I've always followed your father no matter what. Boom. Yep. And I have blind faith that we will make it through this mess. Well, I I do have blind faith that we will. But the question I have is how many heads is going to roll before this shit is over? We've already, if you believe the reports, and I do, we've already lost more people to the coronavirus than we have in Vietnam. Yep. Yep. Oh, and did you see on Central's page they're going to be doing the drive-in thing? Good. That's good to hear. I'm glad oh, to hear people. that. Oh, you people. 
go out there. If you got a drive-in close to you, go to your local takeout restaurant. Get some chicken. Get some pizza. Get some shit you can eat in the car. Go to the drive-in and enjoy yourself while staying safe. Because nowadays like you don't even have to open your window to hear the movie. They got the radio shit. Yep. Oh, and this weekend they're having another thing from the drive from the our driving guys. They're doing another stay in. And uh, hold on, let me go get the movies. The Saturday night. I'm like, why? They're showing, well, Friday, one of them I know is the Invasion of the B-Girls. Oh, I love that movie. I love that movie. It's so much fun. And written by Nicholas Meyer. Yeah. And what else are they doing? Hold on, I'm looking it up. By the way, for those of you who don't know Nicholas Meyer, he wrote uh, uh, The Wrath of Khan, The Undiscovered Country, and uh, uh, the, um, uh, what's the name of that? Uh, the H.G. Uh, Wells movie uh, with Malcolm McDowell and David Warner. It's a wonderful film. Yeah. But yeah, I'm still looking it up. I forget what the other film is. It's a good one, but Saturday night they're showing one. And one you'll be like, why? And even I'm okay. like, what the fuck are you thinking? The baby. All right. The baby. Oh, I could see that. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, but I feel sorry for the poor bastards that haven't seen it yet. <laughs> it's like, what the you know what fuck I mean? is this? Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you on that. I'm with and you on that. yes, this is May Day today as we're playing this. And it's been rainy as hell. I hope it's a beautiful day tomorrow just because it's May Day. Yep, I hope so too. But I hear we're supposed to get rain. Yeah. Most of the day up here in New York, unfortunately. And right now, if you're listening over on... Uh... What's your uh, podcast? Uh, DLN, TV the Legion. DLN, Legion. you will have a Barney Miller thing with Adam Ferenz and one of the worst podcasters ever to grace a television show thing, and that would be Carl Kafer. And he said he needed someone who was smarter than Carl Kafer. <laughs> yeah, and I heard he you're coming he on. Oh, God is, help us. <laughs> prettier than Carl Kafer, and I know he's prettier. No, he's that prettier. you're not. Okay, we're both ugly. Let's let's face it. We got faces. 
perfect yes, for radio. I'm on there right now as we speak because this is recorded a day in advance because I'm going to be on the Barney Miller Show, which is on over there right now. Go to DLN and listen. To Deviant, it. Legion, uh, Deviant Legion on Facebook, Please. and you'll 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 see the uh, yeah, Deviant uh, Legion. Uh, yeah. See the link. Barney Miller's one of the best. Uh, Dramedies ever to come out of the 70s. I love I love that. It, it is a comedy. I do consider it a sitcom, but it's so much different than most. Well, One that's thing why it's I call a it a dramedy. Like I mean, it's a dramatic comedy. It's not an insult. I don't know why. Uh, oh why no, not at all. I don't a agree lot of with people you. get offended like that. They're like, what? You call it a dramatic comedy? No, it's a comedy. It makes you laugh. But it has a lot of drama in it. But the thing about it is it's realistic. Yeah, you know, it that's really the drama is. Comes and, it, in. And, 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 and it all comes from character. And, and, and you believe these people. You believe they're real. You know, and that that's the great thing about Barney Miller. I fucking love that show. I think it's one of the top three what they call sitcoms of all time on television. I yeah, do. and Saturday I'm gonna be dead by the end of it. I already got called. Oh, just Lord. got my coffin out because at three o'clock. No, at four actually. Four o'clock. At four o'clock, I'm doing with uh, the leader of the Peter Grinway fanatic uh, coalition. And editor of Wings Chop, we're going to be doing The Belly of an Architect by Peter Greenway. And at 10 o'clock, speaking of odd religious movies, we're going okay. to be doing Fear No Evil. Nice. Now, to really wrap this out, do you think uh, the movie, you like the movie, how much better would it have been played if they'd have really gone heavy, if they had let Frank have his cut, which is heavier on the religion? Oh, without a doubt, I think it would have been better. Without a doubt. I've, no I've told, question. This is a teaser. I've told you about the original ending, haven't I, Carl? Oh, yeah. Yeah, where the, the Satan himself asks God for forgiveness and he doesn't get it, and the two other girls who are really uh, Malachi and Gabriel float up to heaven. Yep. But yeah, we're going to be yeah. doing 1981's Fear No Evil, which yep. is originally going to be called Antichrist. But hey, oh there. And Sunday, yeah, I don't know what we're doing yet, but yeah, we're still barreling down the road to boom, boom. Uh, the 500th episode, and Vicky is going to have two episodes this month. One is Vicky Loves Sci-Fi. We'll be back. And we will be doing Cube. Not Rubik's Cube. Not Ice Cube. But Cube. One of the best Canadian sci... Well, it's the best Canadian sci-fi horror film not directed by Cronenberg. Yeah. Yeah. Vincenzo Natale uh, is a really fine director out of Canada these days, and you need to check his films out. But The Cube is a great film. This, the follow-ups, not so much, but the original, damn good. 
And with that, good night, and thank you for enjoying another uh, tribute to the Wicker Man. And if any of these movies intrigue you, watch it. Oh, God, we forgot one. Bad Stevie, bad okay. Stevie. Michael Tolkien film, bad, bad. Bad, bad Steven, bad Steven. This one is Jeez. even underrated in the weird religious movies category, isn't it, Carl? Yeah, uh, of course, what we're talking about is The Rapture. Rapture. And it's, it's the one film that really focuses on purgatory, which is a very Catholic dogma, okay? And, uh, uh, you know, that's where you go when you're trying to work out, you know, God's trying to work out where to put you. He's not so sure. And, and, uh, so why don't you, it's your movie that you pick, so go ahead and, and give them the rundown. Yeah, what it is is Mimi Rogers plays this woman who starts to get hints that a rat, that the rapture is coming. So she basically stops her life as an orgiest, and her and, uh, yes, all you X-Files fans get to see little David Duchovny uh, have a kid together. And uh, David Duchovny is a hitman, and he gets killed, and then the rapture starts rapturing. And that's where the movie lies. Not going to say what happened, but you will leave felt like Tolkien just walked up and slapped you on the face very hard. Yeah. Yeah, Michael Tolkien. Even a purple and Job in this mother father. Yeah. Now, uh... Michael Tolkien also gave us the player and a number of other uh, great uh, screenplays. Uh, but this one, as I said, focuses on purgatory. Yeah. And uh, let's not forget the one other, uh, the two other actors in this movie, which is Ray Don Chong and Jorgen Prok now, yeah. uh, who play a couple also who's, who's uh, wrapped up in this whole situation. Uh, the film is really good, and and I'm I'm glad you remembered it before we we went off the air, yeah. Stephen. Because what is it about mean about. New York guys like Tolkien, uh, Schrader, and our beloved Abel that they're very very Catholic? Well, well, they're not. Remember, we talked about uh, yeah. uh, Schrader is not Catholic. He's, yeah, he's, uh, I know, but you know what I mean. But but the thing is, uh, the religion. If you grew up in a specific time, and you're of a specific ethnic group, and it doesn't matter what ethnic group you are. Oh, from one to ten, Italian, you had to go to church. Hold on, Stephen. Hold on. It doesn't matter what what area you know or what ethnicity. If you're growing up in the 30s, 40s, 50s, religion was so much a part of you growing up. You went to a Catholic school. You went to a Calvinist school, a reform school. You went to a Jewish synagogue. And it was so much set within the, the, the ethnic area of, of New York you grew up in that that's one of the reasons you find this real sense of, of belief and how that... Uh, uh, bleeds into their films from that era of, of, of filmmaker. Remember, they're now in their 70s and 80s, all of them. Yeah. So they're, 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 they're another half generation, at least before me. So they were born right after the war. 
So that's the reason you, you run into that in New yeah, York particularly. I mean, even in uh, Miss 45, there's a scene where she dresses at her nun and basically gives the bullets in her gun a holy blessing. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, 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 even today, here I am in a Hispanic neighborhood in New York, and the biggest school and the biggest influence around here is the Catholic Church, is St. Jude's. Yeah. You know, and it's very, very much part of the makeup of this area of, of Queens, you yeah. know, of Jackson Heights. So, yeah, I mean, it, the, the church still has a real sense of, of, of um, pool within a community. No question. And particularly well, Catholic. Uh, to really wrap this up, I Spit on Your Grave. That's one of the nastiest, meanest films ever. Right? Yep. But it has a scene where she goes into a church, crosses herself, and says, God forgive me for what I'm going to do. Yeah. You'll see that a lot in 70s exploitation. Before they go out and kill, they got to go ask God for okay. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you try to think of a New York City set exploitation film from the 70s that doesn't have a scene in the Catholic Church. <laughs> Very few. Yeah. Very few. And with that, good night, goodbye. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Don't do anything stupid. Go get some food and uh, don't go killing your fellow man over some meat. Unless exactly. you're a girl now, and a geez, guy. That's a different story. Jesus is a different now, story. Me Unless you're a girl and the guy's hung like John Holmes and he wants to screw you, but this other girl's in your way, <laughs> then you can beat the living shit out of her. Or if you're a gay guy, there you the opposite. <laughs> and with that, good night, everybody. Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.